Welcome to the show, everyone. Got a very special guest for you guys today. Uh, he is very, very well known as a martial arts master. Uh, and you guys may also know him as the face of a lot of things that have happened uh, growing up with Mortal Kombat as Johnny Cage. And he's going to go in depth on his martial arts training today. I am very happy to introduce Daniel Pacina. Hello, sir. Hey, how are you, Tom? Pretty good? Yeah, doing good, man. Doing good. Uh, thanks for taking time to do the show. I know you just came back from a convention. Um, how you been? Yeah, you know, still we're, we just got out of, uh, you know, COVID's still around, but, you know, everybody's moving forward. Yeah, training is going a, a little bit more better. You know, a lot more people are showing up. We're getting more time to train, too. You know, and it's summer here in Illinois, so yeah. we can we can really enjoy the outdoor. You know, train outdoor. In the winter, you we don't have that luxury. Exactly, we we, we extra appreciate it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, real quick, you know, we, you know, we've talked in the past before, but on the show Warriors Edge podcast, uh, you know, people obviously we have I'm a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu school and Sambo and Judo and. Uh, we have a lot of guys there. We have a lot of guys that from Kung Fu, Karate, Taekwondo, all, all walks of different styles of martial arts. That's the purpose of the show. And uh, you have a very strong background in Wushu. So I love to kind of go in. Uh, it's very interesting uh, how you started getting into martial arts. To go a little to origin story on this first. And then, uh, you know, kind of segue on how you got into uh, Wushu. Yeah, actually, I uh, started martial arts. I say 1969, but it was really like December of 1968, you know, and the school was open for like a month when I was just talking to my dad about that. And then they took a break for a month for Christmas. But, you know, back in the day, uh, I was watching a black and white program named with uh, Charlie Chan, the detective, where this guy would solve different mysteries. And one time I saw him do a judo throw on a guy. And then I was just like, whoa, whoa, that is so cool. And my dad was like, hey, I'm going to teach you. I, I knew he took judo, and he was in, uh, in the uh, U.S. Army. So he served during the Korean War. So he was like, taught me my, he let me throw in one time. Wow. <laughs> you know, because I was like, oh, let me do it again. He was like, no, no, no. But <laughs> well, I thought, if I learned this, like I have two older brothers, and I have a younger brother, but my younger brother, you know, there's a, uh, big age difference between my younger brother and me and then me and my older two brothers. Really? So Yeah. So I was the youngest brother. So all the crap work I'd have to do. Oh no. Hey, go, get me a, go get me a glass of milk. Yeah. Okay. Hey, here's, uh, my mom, you're supposed to throw out the garbage. Okay. Then my older brothers be like, you go throw out the garbage. <laughs> so I would get all the freaking shit jobs and everything. <laughs> So I was like, man, if I could learn judo, I'll be able to throw him and I'll defend myself and stuff like that, which never really happened. But yeah, that's how we, that's how this mentality all started. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to learn judo. Like, really good, you know. Get back to my older brothers. Yeah, <laughs> that's how. That's how. Yo, the survival of the fittest there. Uh, <laughs> um, and that, yeah. At, at what point did you start getting into uh, kung fu and specifically uh, wushu? Okay, so. Uh, so just uh, everyone knows for for me because I trained in mainland China. Wushu means martial art. Wu means war, and Shu means uh, play or art or work. So war art or war war art is the name. So if you do uh, you do uh, Brazilian wushu because you do Brazilian martial art, mm -hmm. you know. So uh, 
I was taking judo and that school closed. And my dad was like, man, this stuff is really good for him. And, you know, I'm going to look for, for uh, another place. So we lived really close to Chinatown. So my dad was driving around in Chinatown and he uh, saw a place and he's like, oh, this place. And I looked at the place and I was like, how did he, how would you even think that you do martial arts in there? Yeah. But apparently they did. And, you know, uh, he took me in, talked to the guy, came out. He's like, oh, you're going to train here. So come in and meet the guy. And so I met the guy and that guy would, uh, uh, was uh, master, Grandmaster Waylon Choi. Uh, okay. who was Grandmaster of Luho Bafa. Later on, uh, Dan and Nasano would fly into Chicago and train with him. Wow. Yeah, so he was he was he, he was uh, he was pretty good. To yeah. say very, very good, to say the least. So that's how kind of my journey started. Later on, after that, I was enchanted with Kung Fu and during the uh, first 1984, when mainland start China started to open to foreigners, I was like, man, I'm going to go to mainland China to learn wushu or kung fu, what people call kung fu or what you call wushu. So you know, it was really, really, really old school. Wow, man! I and, and that was an interesting thing I wanted to bring up too. Like, um, I like to first kind of go into like when you first got into uh, the school doing kung fu, uh, like what. Just what was that like? You know that whether it's the a culture shock or just the experience of just starting that particular martial art, and you're starting your training journey, so to speak. Yeah, well, you know what, uh, you know, go, coming from a formulated Japanese style, like right away when we went when start, when I started judo, I le- started learning how to fall right away, and we're doing push-ups and we're doing rolls and things like that right away. I started this kung fu. And I was, you know, first thing is like, okay, do the bow stance. So I did the bow stance. And then he's like, okay, when you're tired, you do the 60-40 stance. So I'm on one leg. And then when it gets tired, you shift the weight back. Basically, it's 60% on the back leg, 40% on the front leg. And then you go <laughs> forward and you do about 80% on the front leg and 20% on the back leg. So I just did that. And he's like, if, then when your legs get tired, just do the other side. So that was the instruction. And literally it lasted two or three minutes. And that's what I did for a whole hour every wow. day for two weeks. That's amazing. And it's so different too. Cause you get into these like jujitsu is a, you know, we have our warm ups and, our, and our, our break balls and our rolls and shrimping and things like that. Every martial has a style, but the can, can we go in the, with what you just said there? Like the, the conditioning side of that is uh very very interesting because that is a big part of the training of course not not just the techniques of course but the the physicality of it the training yeah and two he wanted to see if i was worthy enough to teach if i would just give up or so it was more like you know with these old school teachers and i would agree with them you're giving them money but it's nowhere near the knowledge you're getting yeah, you know, I mean that they would have to charge like a million dollar an hour class for what you if you you know have a good uh, good attitude and and really want to study with them, they will give you a lot. So he just wanted to see, you know, I'm building up the leg, sure, but also, you know, I'm just show up every day for two weeks yeah. and do this. And finally, <laughs> he was like, "Okay, I could teach you," and 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 then he we started doing, you know. Uh, you know, different basic techniques, but basic doesn't mean easy. Basic just means it's a basic yeah. technique, you yeah. know, uh, as, as you know, because there, there's many parts to it, you know, uh, hitting the bag and, you know, learning all the, all these stuff and learning. He was a big, uh, 
he did the Hong Kong uh, closed tournament where uh, Waylon Choi competed uh, undefeated. Every it was uh, it was more like it would look more like blood sport than anything else. <laughs> oh, Old fashioned, you know, gloves off. Anybody can, you know, if you're invited, you can come in because they wouldn't let just anybody in because. They didn't want people going to the hospital and then getting shut down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah people going to the hospital. Whoa. They'd be like, Oh, you practice and who you practice under. And they check you and be like, okay, you could survive this. Yeah. You won that whole championship. Wow. You know? That's crazy. So his martial arts were really, really tested, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with that. So that, you know, that, that part of my journey started and I realized, you know, what a big commitment to do it because, you know, everybody's like, Oh, I want to learn in, in uh, Oh, you know, I want to practice three days a week and learn, you know, no, these, these guys are set seven days a week, you know, later on when studying in China, it'd be okay. You got to practice seven days a week and work out two and a half hours in the morning and then two and a half hours at night. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. So really submerged. Through. They're serious about their stuff. Well, I was about to segue into that too. Cause uh, yeah, later on you, when you did get to go train in China, you know, even in the States, I mean, that's, it, there's a big difference there. Like it's like, um, even more their way of life. And, uh, can you go into that? Um, number one, I'd imagine it wasn't just like a hop, skip and a jump and you're going to China. I'm sure there was a story to that alone. And then once you're in China, the differences in training, not, uh, not just the times of the, how many times a day, but like eating and rest and all that. Yeah. It's, it's different too. You know, it's China so they can hit you with a stick. <laughs> And, and it's not, and it's not, you know, us as martial artists, because I did do judo and Shotokan karate and little Japanese jujitsu. And then I did the Kung Fu, uh, the Kung Fu Luhobapa, and then I did Seven Star Praying Mantis Kung Fu, which is conditioning and stuff like that. But when you're there, they're really, they think, the instructors think that you're going to use it like they had to use it back in the old day. Oh, wow. Like your yeah. life depends on it. So they're not treating it like it's an exercise or a sport. You know, they're, 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 you're getting a, you know, you have to be aware of conscious all the time. So when, you know, two, when you do that technique, it's easier for them to hit you and correct it. And then you don't want to do it wrong again because it hurts your ego. It, it actually hurts your ego more than, more than the whack on the hand. Sure. The whack on the hand hurts, but you're like, Oh, wait a minute. No, I can do better. You know, you're kind of that military type training where you're like doing that, you know, and everything has to be faster, harder. Boom. So, you know, when you're doing stuff, you you have to really be really going at it, you know? Uh, And surprisingly your, your body can take it. A lot of people, you know, are like, Oh, you know, I would, you know, you, I wouldn't take it. No, you'd be surprised what your body can take when you want to really be pushed to it. Yeah, because like you know, um, you know, obviously, I, my, I'm we're in Illinois. My experience is here the most, but uh, you know, you do get people that are you know where they want to professionally get into uh, martial arts. Uh, but uh, there's a lot where it's like, yeah, it's an activity. You know, it's a it's a, a hobby or something of that nature. Um, even even people approach self defense. There's a certain degree of hobby aspect to it. And yeah, that mentality going into the training of like, no, we're we're training you. It's, it's not just like, hey, you signed the waiver and uh, you were able to get here after work. This is like, no, this is, this is for, for survival. Yeah, they, yeah, back in those days, they were really like uh, survival. And really, because they did it like that, too, they didn't have like technology. 
So they were, we were still later on when I went back to trying to train with, uh, I would be hitting like a wooden pole, you know, so you're, that, that there's no, that, there's no heavy bag because a heavy bag costs money. You know, a pole on the ground hitting and kicking a pole, that's cheap. And two, <laughs> and two you don't hit it full force, but you, you get a good dense blow on it. You know, you're hitting and yeah. hitting a dense blow it. And it gives you that when you hit something, you have like a density to your hit or a density to your strike. You know? oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, in, in that kind of same vein, I remember like Jackie Chan was talking about, uh, cause you remember they always stack like these empty cardboard boxes when he does like a big jump. Cause, uh, and everybody's like, Oh, uh, is that for this reason or that reason? He's like, no, it was, it was inexpensive. And that's what we had versus like, it'd be great. If we had this huge like air mattress and, you know, uh, a lot of time, reason why he did his own stunts is they didn't have extra money for the extra stunt doubles. After a while, he got kind of lobbed into that's his thing. And, and went back with like uh, hitting of the pole, I remember you showing me at, at your uh, your school that you were kind of going into. I've, I've done some uh, lessons with you where you kind of go into the outside of, let's say, the arms. The outside of the arms is a little more uh, correct and safer to use versus like the inside. And that could cause, I believe you're kind of looting like, like blood clots and things like that yeah it could damage uh, that not that you never do it because martial arts there's no such thing as ne never because it's about really survival right you got to bite the guy you got to bite the guy yeah. so <laughs> you know so yeah you kind of like you know you condition you'd be surprised too of what you know just the shape of your hand if you you get they they hold their hands in funny ways because you know when i hold up my hand like this if people are can see that on video all of a sudden Really, it makes this bone really super firm and hard. Oh wow! So when you hand like this, you know, you could this all of a sudden you're maximizing hitting with this. It would suck to hit here; you'd break your fingers. But you're not yeah. doing that with that. Yeah. You're doing with this particular bone when you're doing that. You know, when you hold hold this together, all of a sudden this part of the under palm part is really strong. You know, if you're going to palm somebody and use the meat of your hand, then you might spread your fingers a little bit more, and you realize like, oh, now this whole part here so it's like like a lot of little it, uh, one of the instructors he's like it was like a carpenter you have a tool for every particular thing you want to do if you want to make a swirl you have a tool for that you know you, you have the hammer and you use the chisel but now you got more sophisticated tools and you know and two you got a drill and you got a, the, a you know press and you got all this stuff and i'm like oh yeah it's really and it is really arty that way because you learn what part of your body can particular would be particularly good for a certain blow? Interesting. Yeah. Cause um, I know a lot of people listening to this are, are like really in MMA and I remember uh, a famous fighter, uh, boss Rutten. Uh, he was really big on uh, palm strikes uh, over like, you know, punches. Cause a lot of people were breaking their hands and their knuckles and uh, bones in the hands and wrists. And uh, he, you know, a lot of that, like you hit with the, the palm right there, it's just bone, you know, like you just mentioned that the way uh, you would hit uh, with the hand, it makes so much sense. Yeah. When I, when I watched like recently, somebody sent me a clip of McGregor yeah, practicing stuff and I was like, oh, he's doing what we do in Northwestern style martial arts, you know, doing the, doing a shoulder, staying loose, doing the shoulder bumps and stuff like that. People, you, you develop that over years, hitting like something like that. It, 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 it feels like you're getting hit with a sledgehammer. Oh, man. Really, really. It'll not it'll completely knock the wind out of you before you fall over and fall on the ground. You know? So yeah. it, it is, you know, and, and he's keeping loose, kind of like loose to use like a whipping action, which is also 
Like, you know, all that stuff is really, really old. That's like thousands of years old. Wow. And, and, uh, can you go in particular, like the particular styles, uh, that you, uh, practice the most, you just mentioned a second there, uh, a second ago there, uh, for people listening, your different styles of Kung Fu. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, right now, uh, I mainly focus on Northwestern martial arts. So it's like Dung Bay, uh, Piqua, uh, Fonzie Twin, uh, Baji is part of it. So there are more, they're the older styles. So like Cho Jiao, Cho Jiao, they have cave drawings, I think from 7745 BC. Wow. Man. Them or already cave drawings of somebody organizing a martial art. So, it, you know, to, it would have to already be in existence for a while to make it to some artist of putting it on the wall. Yeah, right. And like, oh, they're, oh, in the spring, they start practicing their war art, their wushu, and they show the guy doing, you know, this <laughs> stuff. But yeah, so it, it's, you know, China has three different regions, mainly. Uh, and so their martial arts reflect those geographically. You know, you have Southern. So Southern China uh, is very much like Okinawan karate. Oh, okay. It's it's exactly, you know what I mean. When you really look at some of the styles, you're like, oh, you know, and they they trade, and and again, not to not to be babbling, but my instructor was like, naturally they trade. He goes, so you got a guy in Japan who has a who has something he wants to sell in China, so he can't just go in China and sell because somebody will steal it. So he's got to hire a bunch of warriors to go with him to deliver his goods. Now the guy in China who has the gold and wants to give it to him, can't just show up because somebody will rob him. Yeah. So now he's got to hire warriors to guard him. So these guys get together and because their bosses are like, hey, you're giving you money and you're giving me stuff, we're doing business stuff, their warriors start just hanging out and drinking and talking about martial arts and they start exchanging techniques. Wow. So all of a sudden, you know, you're getting that mix. That's why Okinawan Karate, I think, looks like Chinese karate because it's just Chinese Kung Fu or Wushu because, it, you know, they blended it together because it was not for, not for some artsy thing. It was for survival. You yeah, know, that, that cross pollination. Yeah. We do this, that technique too, but we do it for this. Oh, that's interesting. I could actually use that. You know, so all yeah. of a sudden you get all these exchanges different ways through business. So, you know, so yeah. That's what I always loved about it when we were talking about that particular topic there with the yeah the bodyguards kind of swapping uh, techniques because you do see that in every style and you also see uh, throughout history of different martial arts they have okay this is something similar different era different uh, uh, country that never related to each other and and they also uh, wind up having similar techniques because the techniques, the techniques, like it's, if you're doing outside trip, it's outside trip. You just call it something different. And what's yeah. cool is when you cross pollinate like that and cross train, we even, even for, uh, when we do Sambo and Judo uh, and Jiu-Jitsu, you're showing, uh, show me um, awesome hand finding techniques, um, or, or, you know, grappling techniques for would open for a strike, uh, for, for you. But for me, you said oh, it opens up that lapel and next, thing you know, you got this way around that maybe that guy doesn't train and, and it's very interesting. Yeah, it is. You know, it is really in the end, all the same. It's just whether how deep you want to go, you know, uh, 
So, you know, when, uh, when I'm teaching anybody, I'm not usually teaching them unless they're really super beginner, nothing that they don't already know. I just kind of like, Hey, you know, you can do it this way, but you, did you know, you could also use it this way. You might think it's like, you know, we only use the labels of like, Oh, this is a tie kick only because tie boxing is more popular. So people, a lot of people can relate to it, but you, they don't realize like every martial art uses that kick, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's cool. But, but because of popularity, you know, you know, if you use cross lapel choke, you know, you judo uses that. Jiu-jitsu uses that. You know, yeah. <laughs> every kung fu uses that. It's not. It it works. So if it works, everyone's doing it. You know, you make a fist like this, and you don't kind of make a. You know, you don't hold it like this because you might break your fingers. So there's only certain ways to do things because yeah. you work. A hundred percent. And, and actually during, uh, the, the lockdowns when I, you and I really started uh, connecting up and I was doing some, uh, like zoom lessons, uh, with master Piscina on, I mean, I was going stir crazy. I couldn't do jujitsu. Uh, you know, we're all, everybody's going nuts, but, uh, I started like, uh, learning nunchucks through, so I, I, I saw that you, uh, had things for that and, and some bow staff basically to train to be a Ninja Turtle, which by the way, uh, master Piscina is in, uh, Ninja Turtles two as a foot soldier. Uh, and, and a couple of scenes, actually, correct? Yeah, a lot of stunts and got to act to it. It's a good experience. Plus, I'm a fan, so yeah. you, you got to love it. But uh, more going back into weapons real quick, outside of it, outside of it being awesome, uh, the practicality of it. Uh, a lot of the movements you do uh, just hand-to-hand, boom, next thing you know, you put a weapon in there, whether it's a, a sword. I mean, Master, uh, Master Persina is skilled in many weapons, but uh, in particular... One that very popular that went into the Mortal Kombat video games for Scorpion is the the rope dart, and yeah. you said some very interesting. Not only is it a very uh, fluid and, and dynamic movement uh, you can use with that, it was specifically a specific purpose that no one's ever gonna know unless you have uh, were trained in it or history lesson on it. Is guys coming in on the cavalry, correct? You kind of go into that concept with uh, specifically the rope dart, and feel free to go into other weapon styles too. Yeah, because you know, guy, uh, guy in the horse on a war horse is is like a tank. It's really, really dangerous, you know. So you're trying to, de- you know, you're going to try to get the guy off the horse. And so rope dart is meant to wrap around your body and develop enough momentum to shoot uh, uh, eight or twelve inch dagger, poison dagger, through the armor into the guy and maybe pull a. Uh, yank it and pull him off or to poison him and to kill him. Wow. <laughs> so, so it's, yeah. So medieval, yeah. <laughs> it, it is medieval, but that was, you know, you know, uh, we, we, our military has the same, you know, yeah. we, you know, the, the horse turned into the tank, you know, the, the guy uh, with the rope that turned into an RPG or, or another weapon, anti-tank weapon, you know? So, yeah, so there you go. You know, it's the, you see the practicality just over the, the, the decades and or centuries as well, because nowadays everything's uh, more MMA. Of course, there's always, you know, street self-defense is always uh, there. But like you see, like a particular movement, you can do that hand to hand or if you put a, you know, a knife, sword or whatnot in there. That's why that. Right. That's why that exists in, in the style or, or the movement for that technique. Correct. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the tech, a lot of the traditional techniques get really lost because we for, forget that 
there's uh, conditioning that goes with it. You know, you, you got to, if you want a really hard punch, sure, you can hit the heavy bag, but you, at some point you're going to have to get a, you know, a 50 pound bag of steel and punch that. Now, you don't have to punch as hard as you can, but you got to be able to tap it pretty hard. Yeah. So that way it builds up the bone density. So that way you don't have to wrap your hands. You know, that way when you make even a firm fist, you, there's no way you're going to break your fist. Right. But of course, that type of training takes four or five years and nobody has business for that. But you know what I mean? And then you think of the same thing with an eye poke, you know, uh, oh, we want to poke somebody in eyes like this. No, it's harder than you think. You know, without the conditioning, that won't really work super well. You have to really condition your fingers to take that impact because the human body is really durable. Oh, you know what I mean? So, some, you know, you, you're hitting a guy and maybe he doesn't go down. So you got to really embrace that conditioning, the different conditionings, arm conditioning. It's just like, you know, you go to MMA, you have to do the leg conditioning. You have to get kicked in the thighs a lot. Yes, yeah. Otherwise, you won't make a round. Right. You got these chopped down, you know? Yeah. That, so now you imagine that, but now you're doing that for almost every part of your body. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah, and but that takes a lot of time. And, it does. I mean, you see some of these these guys, uh, uh, or like you said, like the, the finger to the eye and the conditioning that goes into that. Like you see these guys like take watermelon, just like poking holes through uh, that, which that's insane. Yeah. 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 And everybody's like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. But it took that guy like 12 years of poking, you know, uh, iron, iron bag you know, <laughs> over, and over and over until his hands became like that. And then you got to use the Chinese liniment so you don't get arthritis and you're able to function, you know, in society. So there's, there's a lot more to it. But I think, you know, uh, a lot of people think like, oh, yeah, this, you know, a lot of the old stuff. Oh, that's not that doesn't really work. Well, it doesn't work if you don't do the conditioning or take it for what it is. You know, yeah. it will work if you don't have three hours in the morning, three hours at night to make it work. <laughs> yeah. What's amazing to me is all the guys uh, that were in more Comet One, more Comet Two, the original video games. Uh, you know, you know, Johnny Cage was like kind of like the godfather of MK, right? Because it, it kind of that was never done before at that time. The, the videography and everything you had to do for that. But everybody that was in that, uh, uh, Rich Divizio, uh, Kano Cabal, uh, it goes on and on. He, he can explain every character himself better, as he says, which we'll have him on the show too. But, uh, you know, what's interesting, all those, all the guys in, that were actors in Mortal Kombat, they all trained together. They are, you guys, that was, uh, can you kind of go into that, like when you guys were training Kung Fu together and how that became Mortal Kombat? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we were training Kung Fu and doing tournaments and, you know, things like that. And the thing is, with like, when, when you know, John, uh, John, who was a childhood friend, approached us, hey, I want to do a video game, but I want to make it real. I want to make it more real than than uh, Street Fighter. Because at the time, Street Fighter was a big fighting game. Yeah. But when I used to play it, but my complaint was, like, nobody would throw a kick that way because you'd break your leg. or yeah. the, the techniques were cool, but they weren't, like, real. Right. So I was like, oh, we can, he's like, I want to do it real. So, you know, can you choreograph this and come up with real stuff for this game? And then, and he's like, I can't pay you a lot of money. Uh, and, you know, can we get other guys to do it like on the cheap, but you guys will get like credit for doing this game and kind of whatever. And so I was like, yeah, we can get like, you know, this group of friends that practice martial arts together. And we, we were, we would basically be practicing martial arts like 
you know, like we learn in China, a lot of us went to China. So we'd be trying to work out in the day. And then after work at night, we'd be trying to find a place at night to work out to continue the training. So, you know, all these guys were, you know, sure they're young and they're, and they're, but they were, the martial arts were real serious. Everyone was taking their martial art really, really serious and able to contribute to the game. Wow. Yeah. Everything you like the rope dart. We said a second no with uh, uh, scorpion uh, real quick. I like to go into, uh, I was wanting to go into like a, a real life occurrence of self-defense with this. You had to use, but I quickly remembered uh, that you had an amazing story with you and rich at a bar. You probably know where I'm going with that one. Yeah. Yeah. I go to John Tobias telling this story because you know, we, it, you know, I'm a little older. So at one time, before you could not be, when at one time you, when you were a bouncer at the bar, you could like throw people and hit people. Cops <laughs> yeah. would come in and be on your side. You know, later on, as as the time progressed, they were like, "Oh, you're going to get sued." But you know, back back in the day, uh, before that, you can kind of remove somebody physically. You know, if they yeah. were misbehaving or you know going to hurt somebody else. But um, yeah, one guy was you know, we were out with John Tobias and we're kind of. You know, uh, we're drinking and there's a, there's a big guy and he's drunk and John is having his drink and he kind of pushes John to the side because John's a little guy and he's not very intimidating, pushes the little guy. And so he pushes him to the side and I was just like, hey, don't do that. And the guy was just, he didn't say anything. He just took a swing. Oh. And I, yeah. So, you know, I ducked under it and I hit him and I was going to like follow through. But I, when I hit him and because you got to look a guy in the face when you're fighting. You know, you can't look around. You gotta you see what they're thinking or see, you know, because usually if the head turns, their body is going to follow the head, you know, or if they're going to yeah. fake, you're going to be able to tell what a fake is or anything like that. You know, you look somebody in the face when you're, when you're fighting. So I, I hit him and I saw like that his eyes rolled back. Oh gosh. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I knew like I already knocked him out because I was going to follow up with a, with, with a On his feet. Yeah. Yeah. I hit him pretty hard and he was a big guy. So he was solid in there, but oh, it kind of like that. And I saw him like, kind of like not completely, but I saw his eyes like, Oh yeah, this guy's shutting down. I don't need to hit him again. But out of, you know, I was in a position where I saw all of a sudden somebody jumping over me and I look, it was happening. It felt like it happened in slow motion. I look and it's rich divisio jumping over me with a flying knee. Okay. <laughs> like in my mind, I'm like, no, like, like what you see in the movie now, because I was like, this guy is already going down. He's already going to be unconscious and Rich is going to kill him, you know, oh, because he's already over that oh, limit. You know what crazy. I mean? Yeah, yeah, crazy. It, yeah, it is. But, you know, Rich got him and he survived, but man, he, he got laid out pretty good. Man, that's nuts. But yeah, that's the thing. Like um, at the end of the day, it you know, martial arts is an amazing exercise. It's very good for you mentally, physically, and spiritually in many cases. Um, but you got to be able to use this in the street, like in real life. Uh, you know what I mean? And that's a great prime example. Uh, were there any other kind of like uh, things that kind of came up for you or the, the, the boys, as they, we say, where, where you had to use your techniques? Yeah, after, after that episode... Uh, because it was a bar that I was a bouncer at after, and but I wasn't working that night. Okay. But after that, they would, uh, the the guy they saw that he was hurt pretty bad, and so they goes, "Hey, you guys know how to fight. You can't be using it like that." So I was just like, well, "What am I going to do?" 
So there's a different night and another guy is like goofing off and they're like, oh, can you, you got to remove him. Oh. And he's a big guy, but you can't hit him. Huh. <laughs> okay. Well, let me think of what I'm going to do. So I was like, hey, you got to, you know, you're, he had too much to drink. You know, you don't even have to finish your tab because they want you out because you're being belligerent. You're grabbing women, you know, yeah, actually molesting women. I, I, you got to get out of here. And he was like, I'm not getting out of here until I finish the drink. And I'm like, I was like, you know what? Yes, you are. And I got really close to him because I knew that he couldn't really, I'm too close for him to hit me. Yes. Yes. So I was like, I'm going to get close because he's going to have to push me away before he hits me. Okay. So guess what he does? He starts to push me away. And because I took judo, I shoulder through him. Oh. <laughs> I didn't control him. I didn't control him at his landing. I just let him fly. Oh, airborne freaking flyer miles. Nice. Yeah. And well, technically I, you're not hitting him, but the earth is. <laughs> yeah. I threw him and man, he hit the ground and he was just like, oh, and he got up and he was mad as heck, but he was, he sobered up and he wouldn't come at me. Oh, he sobered up and he was mad and he was much bigger than me, but he would realize like, oh, this is not, this guy already threw me. <laughs> <laughs> Come you know, to senses a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's there's something going on here that I don't like, and so he left very very angrily. But it was just like people are like, "Oh my God, you you're you were so much smaller than him, and you 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 all of a sudden he was flying through the air." And it's just you know it, it's just that martial art mentality that we know we know like our body. And I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna get close, so that way." You know, you can't, I know you don't really know anything because I could just tell, otherwise, you know, you would already started doing the hand postures or something like getting ready to fight, but you don't know how to fight. You know, you're big and you're thinking your size will help you. So I'm just going to get close. And that way, when you grab me or push me, then I'm going to throw you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's an interesting point. Cause uh, when we first, uh, uh, one of the first times we did a lesson, we're kind of going to yeah, the style of striking for you. And, and honestly, just how often... It is you. You find out like someone doesn't actually know how to throw a punch or even hold a fist, right? You kind of go into like a brand new guy comes in. It's pretty common, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to be really. Everybody wants to hit things right away, but I'm just like, man, wait when you know learn to really make a fist and how what you're really doing and how you how the fist supports each other because a lot of times people, you know, oh, oh, I broke my hand. When I hear, oh, I broke my hand on some guy's face, I'm like, oh, you know. For me, I'm like, oh, you don't know, really know how to make a fist or didn't do enough conditioning, you know, because that, that is the whole thing is if you know enough conditioning and you do enough practicing just without punching someone first, you can get a pretty good fist going and not, and not break it. You know, that's how yeah. all these guys break bricks, break bricks, or you see guys now, you know, kicking a, a pole with their shin. Oh, man. Yeah. That's it's like conditioning. Right. But they just took it to the next level. You know, they get because they got too much free time and they did the conditioning. And so you I, see a guy hitting the concrete, punching concrete. You know, there was a guy on one of these shows, one of the shows where people, where MMA guys were traveling the world and he went yeah. to Japan and this guy had a tree log that he put on chains and he would just punch it. It would swinging, it would be swinging and he'd just be tapping it. But when I looked at it, I was like, you know, that's like a, that's a 150 pound tree log swinging back at you and you're punching to stop it or wow. you're punching the movement. I was like, and it, it doesn't look like it's punching hard, but later on he, he just tapped one of the guys and the guy was like, just like, Holy cow. 
Wow. Yeah, because the guy's density had that density in the punch. But of course, you didn't see him punching the, the tree every day for like 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> right. You just see. Well, that's the thing. It's like if, you, if your world requires that, then you do that. If your world doesn't require that, then you don't really do that, but don't knock somebody else and be like, oh, uh, it doesn't work. Right. No, right. It, it will work providing you every, you know, the human body is resistant, resistant and strong and will find a way to do stuff. So all the, all the outdated traditional martial arts are only outdated because they, nobody has the free time to do punching the log or poking the tree. You're you know? right. <laughs> that's why, yeah. you know, that's why a lot of, oh, you know, Tai Chi masters get beat up because the guy doing it doesn't really understand Tai Chi. He's not really a Tai Chi master and doesn't really understand the whole thing. And he doesn't do the conditioning that in the old days Tai Chi guys did. They think like, oh, I don't know do any conditioning. No, the, the old Tai Chi guys used to do Shaolin for like 14, 15 years, and then they did Tai Chi. Wow. <laughs> you know, and, and also that was your day, right? Like back then, like right now it's like I'm, I'm busy, uh, work a day and family or whatever. Uh, it, that was your day. Like th this is what I'm doing. I'm training several times a day. You got the, the meals in between for your rest and yeah. any physical chores you had to do uh, farming or something. Yeah. It was like, it was that. So a lot of things that I think I see that as, as a failure work. And two, the guys are, I don't know what the hell they're thinking. You know, you can't, <laughs> you can't jump in a ring without sparring first and doing conditioning. Yeah. You know, yeah. Do a sit -up. yeah, do a sit up, do a push up. You know, hit the heavy bag, you know, go to steps. Don't just jump in the ring and be like, oh, don't worry. My mysterious Kung Fu will <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. How can I happen? Stop doing that. You're making me look bad. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is crazy. Yeah. There, there is, uh, uh, in all styles, there's people try to regulate it as best they can. You know, you know, if someone, that's why people get so hardcore about lineage. I mean, and that's, you know, because where, where's your receipt for this, so to speak. And it, you know, some people, oh, yeah, I learned this on YouTube or something. It's like, cool. But maybe you don't have the years or decades of training that led up to it. I used to, like you just mentioned, like before you even did, they did Chai Chi. They did, you know, 14 years of everything else. <laughs> yeah. And you know, yeah, when you imagine Shaolin back in those days, just imagine Spartans. Yeah. Well, very, very sparse. Everything was sparse. You know, in two, you're not going to hit the heavy bag. You're going to hit a tree. You know, <laughs> oh, you got a condition in the bamboo forests. You know, shin kicks to the, all the bamboo in the bamboo forest. You know, you're you're basically, you know, your bones are just all <laughs> rock hard. <laughs> but then at the same time, I see uh, with the stretching, like, for example, we, we talked uh, kind of uh, jokingly about it, but it, it, I'm sure it was arduous work uh, filming the first Mortal Kombat. You had to do, I don't know, the Johnny Cage uh, splits with the nut shot. It was stop motion for the most part, right? So what yeah, was that to, like? You had to do it slow. And we didn't know what we were doing or what we really wanted. We wanted the splits, but we didn't know how it would work. So I, I did it like 50 or 60 times different ways. So And and slow. I couldn't just drop into the split because the, it's too grainy. You know, the, the technology back day would, you know, you'd look like, you know, no, it looked terrible. So everything was done slow and doing splits different ways. And it's like, you have to have some conditioning to do to do that, and two, flexibility yeah, because you know if you're used to getting thrown and choke out and taking a beating, you take the beating. So you know when you're defending 15 times, sure, it too, it is a lot, but because of 
that martial art training, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it until I get it. Yeah. Like how many splits did you wind up doing that day? Yeah. Like 50 or 60. (laughs) Oh man. That, yeah. that blows my mind. That blows my mind. Uh, or and not just that. I think didn't you mention day one because everything was like um, sort of experimental at first because this hasn't been done before. But day one, there, it was just concrete floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to fall and do flips on concrete floor. Okay. You know, because, and then that's when I told them, I don't think these other guys are going to do that because yeah. you're not paying them a lot. And two, you're there. You know, I have experience with judo doing that. Some of the other guys don't have as much judo training or much falling training, they're not going to want to do that, you know, but, but because we, you know, we wanted to see what it looked like. And I was like, okay, I'll take a few, I could take a few dozen falls on concrete, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah if you're trained, you can do that. It's not smart. Yeah. You're young, I'm young at the time. So I'm not smart. Yeah. And you work for pizza, right? Is that, <laughs> 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 you know, uh, and the other thing just real briefly, uh, you had your work cut out for you because you didn't just uh, famously play Johnny Cage, which was the first character that you guys were like doing the stop motion and everything with. Uh, can you go into uh, everybody else you played? Yeah, I did Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Uh, then I did other characters. One of them turned out into Reptile. Then later on did uh, other characters and they turned out into to Smoke and Noob Saibot. So it, it it was just like the, we didn't even have names. They were like, just like, hey, create a character. And I'd be like, okay, let me think of what we're going to do. And because it was a collaboration, it was a collaboration. So, yes. And two, and, and John knew like uh, at, at Mortal Kombat 1 and 2, 1, particularly 1, John with Tobias was really the head of it. Number two, you know, we started getting other people to, wanting to pitch in and, and do that because it was already becoming a hit. So they wanted to be part of the team, which yeah. is awesome. And number three, it switched over to even more, and I wasn't part of that. But, you know, number one, John was just always what's best for the game. Right. So as far as he wanted a great martial art game, so he was like, Dan, you are in charge of the martial arts. That's just the end of that. Yeah. You have your final say over all that stuff, and you're creating martial arts, and we'll collaborate and create stuff with you. But as far as that, you are in charge of that. Wow, that that's uh, – I mean – Anybody listening, I, like I, I'm 41 now. That, that was my childhood growing up. You know, I, I, it has such a near and dear place in all of our hearts. And, and uh, it, to this day, I mean, you play that game, man, it, it holds up. I mean, really, you guys uh, did phenomenal work. And uh, uh, real quick, too, because of all like all the guys in, in, in the first two Mortal Kombat games, I'm pretty, everyone's pretty much Kung Fu uh, strong influence. They, for the most part, Ninjas equals in most people's minds uh, uh, Japanese. However, if you look historically, that actually the roots go back to China, and you, sir, uh, were a major reason why the Lin Kuei Sub Zero's clan even uh, came up. Correct? Uh, yeah, I was like, you know, we we were when we were pitching the game to Midway and and Ed, you know, John was like, hey, they like the idea of a fighting game. They want to meet you, and they and they want to hear some more of your uh, ideas for the game. How are we going to make this cool game? There's only two, we're only going to do 200 cabinets, but you know, they're, they're going to invest something in it and we have to have something substantial for them to invest, you know, 200 arcade cabinets. Yeah. Yeah. Four grand each cabinet. You know, that's a substantial investment, you know? So I was just like, well, then we, to make it unique, we should, take the Japanese ninjas out because it is the nineties. And I love Shokushugi. I, I paid oh, yeah. 
single movie that he ever came out with, but I want to create something unique. And I was like, John, we got to do the Lin Kuei. And he's like, what? And then so I told him about the Lin Kuei and how they, how it's, it's Chinese mysticism with, with basically ninjas, you know, so really this weird, weird thing. And he was like, okay, let's put that in there because I think that would sound cool, you know, to add some mysticism to the game. And so all of a sudden we're pitching the game and we're pitching having, you know, instead of Japanese ninja, what they look like, you know, but all black, you know, later on, John would add color because he's like, well, they can't be all black because they just look like shadows. Okay. Yeah. Understand it, what they are, you know, they're ninjas, but these look a little different than a ninja because they got the armor on them. So they'll be wondering what they are. So I think it'd be better if we put a uh, dab of color on it. So, I was like, yeah, that's cool. You know, I can understand that. You know, so he he, he added color to it. But basically, yeah, it was my idea to put the Lin Kuei into Mortal Kombat. Uh, yeah, and, and that's the other thing. Like, uh, you know, we're kind of getting to the, the fun nerdy talk with it because it's so awesome. Uh, nerd myself, uh, <laughs> which there, there you had a whole kind of nerdy group, subgroup with the Kung Fu group, correct? Like everybody was like yeah. Dungeons and Dragons and um, right? And dragons we collected comic books you know way before stranger things yeah 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 we were yeah we were you know we we're martial art geeks but also you know regular geeks going to the uh, arcade together playing arcade games together and doing all that thing all those things from that era that 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 you know that became popular like in stranger things you know we were those kids but we were also the martial art guys so it wasn't really like <laughs> You know, we didn't get picked on that much because they were, they were martial art guys too. But yeah, so it, it, I think that that's, that bit helped, you know, with the game, you know, with, you know, Rich being a fan of Indiana Jones, ripping a guy's heart out, you know, Carlos yeah. was a fan of, of you know, uh, originally uh, John wanted Raiden not to be the guy from Big Trouble in Little China, but it was up to Carlos to create the character. So everybody's like, oh, he's the big guy in tri- uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, because Carlos made them that way because he was a fan and he wanted oh, to be he wanted to be like that. You know, uh, Liu Kang, he wanted him to be like, you know, first like Bruce Lee and number two, he's Shang-Chi, master of Kung Fu. He looks dresses just like the yeah. old comic If you look at it, yeah, he dresses like the old comic books. Jax is Power Man. So we were we borrowed like things from all, all you know, all those things. We you know, when we were pitching the game, we wanted x-rays like in Fist of the North Star. So, and x-rays came out later on in the game. So, a lot of the ideas that the games had later on, all we wanted in number one. Wow. It's just the technology, right? Like, it wasn't... Um, yeah. That's amazing. And yeah, I always like to ask you that. It just warms my heart. Just like, uh, what you know, what that feels like, um, you know, how much... Like, to this day, those games are obviously amazing. Uh, but to this day, we're, that's it, that laid the groundwork so good that movies, games, everything, uh, fans still loving the uh, nostalgia of the originals, but it's still affecting things to this day. And, you know, what, when you get fans at these conventions and things like that coming up to you and, uh, man, what, what does that even feel like? Because that, I mean, that's like, um, I mean, you're a legend. I mean, that's that's legendary. The other podcast I have is Legends of Master Show, and uh, you are a legend and a master, sir. Uh, what does that, man, I can't even think of that. What does that even feel like? Yeah, no, you know what? It, it feels awesome because it's like they're enjoying your work. So, you you know, not a lot of people come up with goofy 
to yeah. a person that are insulting or anything like that. Usually they come up and they really love your work and they talk about uh, their memories of the game. Nostalgia. Yeah. Nostalgia. Oh, when I played the game with my best friend, when I played with my brother, when my sister used to kick my ass with Sonia. Yeah. You know, you get all this stuff. And it just reminds them of a, of a happier time or, or, you know, oh man, I used to do love to do that because, you know, you're, back in those days when you were a kid, you, you didn't have a job and you could play video games a little bit without any responsibilities. So, <laughs> you know, and not, that you're, you're an adult with a lot of responsibilities, you know, kids and stuff like that. And you're just, yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, you really, you know, a lot of times them seeing me reminds them of that time in their life. Wow. It's yeah, it's unbelievable. And, and everybody, uh, yeah, I've seen it firsthand. They, you guys are literally the best with your fans. I mean, uh, literally above and beyond uh, any of these conventions They, uh, you guys travel around for conventions. And I, I got the honor, the privilege to uh, be like a videographer photographer for one of them. Uh, and it which was surreal as hell. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I'm usually on the other side of the camera here. I, I would, any other day be uh, in line uh, for, with these guys. And um, you guys, yeah, you are, are above and beyond with that. And uh, and I think obviously the, it's reciprocated. The feelings mutual. It's amazing. Yeah. We're, we're really honored, you know? Yeah. Amazing. Um, well, I mean, we're definitely going to have you back on because uh, this could be easy, a two-parter. Uh, I'm going to start any things off here because there's so much else we could talk to you about, but we hit everything really good with the martial arts a little on the uh, more to comment and a little Ninja Turtles as well. But um, you know, what do you got the like, future projects uh, coming up? I know you've been working on some little movies here. Uh, there's conventions, things like that. What, what are you kind of looking to and training as well? What are you looking to do? Yeah. I'm just look, I just trying to keep creating, pushing, pushing forward. You know, we get a lot of as martial artists and, and uh, you know, in this era, we get a, we get a lot of ideas. So I'm just trying to farm our ideas and keep pushing forward. You know, before we started the show, I was actually thinking like, you know, people, you know, I teach a lot of weapons. So I was just like saying, like, I was just thinking like, you know, a lot of people don't realize like, uh, you know, to learn a staff, you just don't learn a set. You know, a lot of people teach, oh, we got to learn this set and that set. But I want to do like an app where you actually learn like the application of the old fashioned yeah. Uh, weapon you know you always see Kali it's really cool and it's always oh you can actually apply it but whenever somebody picks up a staff you're like oh you can't really apply that no it also you can apply also apply that you know yeah. and to teach people how you would do that you know because you know when you get into doing Kali too when you go to a seminar from a guy who really knows it all of a sudden you're doing the fan over and over and over again 50 million times and and but a lot of people don't realize like that's what you do with every weapon. You have to do repeat, 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 repeat until it comes. And there is a system for it. And a lot of people, oh, I just want to learn the set. No, I think it's better if you learn like the basics and see what the applications are. And that way you can better understand the technique. Not that you need to embrace violence, but right. it'll help your training to be like, oh, you use it like that. I never would have thought to use it like that. Yeah. And then it sparks creation and it sparks interest in in the martial arts that's amazing and, and that, i could vouch for that firsthand because when i was doing uh the the wushu training with you did, did some nunchuck action <laughs> uh did some uh bow staff did some hand-to-hand -hand. and number one it just made me fall in love with martial arts all over again 
And because uh, I, you know, spent uh, over like twelve over twelve years, um, you know, doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and 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 getting sambo and judo, all, grappling side of things, and you just see the, they're training wise these these uh, like we said earlier this cross pollinating kind of universal concepts and sometimes a unique concept maybe for wushu help me think a little different with my jujitsu next thing i know it just kind of opened the gates uh, uh more creativity and moving forward and evolving more so yeah super boss for that uh where would you like everybody to go uh whether it's social media website things like that where we can direct you yeah you can follow me on instagram master d piscina uh facebook master piscina my website is uh Master Piscina. <laughs> Everything's right. my brand is Master Piscina. Like and two, you know, so people don't get all crazy. It's martial art master. I'm not. I don't own anything like that. I just it's an old school uh, title, meaning like a while ago, other masters recognized that I had a mind body kind of connection, mm-hmm. not kind of connection, but it's a mind uh, body connection where my body was running as efficient as it can for me. Okay. No, so that doesn't mean like, uh, like, oh, I can do magic tricks or anything like that. It was just like, oh, for how you are, you know, and what you're doing, your punches maximized. You know, your kick gotcha. is maximized. You're, you know, I if if we're and you could, you probably see this more in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu than other arts. Huh. When you make contact with the guy, just touch the guy. All of a sudden, you know what move they're going to do. Right, right, right. So now imagine, like, if we're if we're sparring and you and I throw a punch and you block me, and now all of a sudden, with that block, touch of the block, I know exactly what you what oh. you can do, and I know what is automatically opened or where I can deliver something, and you can block it too late. So oh, it's yeah. just yeah. So it's not a concept that is not known. It's just like oh. The, if you could do it in judo and you could do it in jujitsu, you can do it in, in regular sparring. Exactly. That's amazing. Uh, wow, man. Uh, I could talk to you all day. Uh, definitely want to have you back on, of course, because there's there's so much more to go into. Master Brasina, thank you so much for taking time to be on the show. It was an absolute pleasure talking with you, going into your training concepts and and not just on the wushu side of things, how that uh, all styles people can apply those. Yeah, we're all we're all we are truly all brothers. We are truly one family. Martial artists. Amazing. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Warrior's Edge podcast. For more great talks and interviews on all things martial arts, be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platforms. And if you're ever in our area, you're welcome to come in and train with us at our academy, Olympus Grappling Arts. Until the next one, keep listening and keep training.